guys are awesome today. Good, good worship. Good time. Good. Uh, Jamie and the rest of the ladies did a fantastic job leading us. That was awesome. Uh, really, really good stuff. Even though I'm a little bit upset with Jamie this morning because because uh, because of a towel situation, I'm completely covered in glitter and uh, <laughs> I feel like a human disco ball. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm not like. I know you probably would have thought I'm like turning into some sort of sexy vampire. That's not what's happening. <laughs> that's good. So, no, that's good. Um, so, anything interesting happened this week? Anything? Anything? No? Pretty, pretty low, pretty slow news week. Uh, yeah, so it's good, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, hey, praise God we're Americans, right? Yeah, awesome. I mean, I mean, everybody else is praising God there, whatever they are, but let's praise God we're Americans. And, and so... So um, that's good. Uh, we're, we live in such a um, it's such a blessing to live in a country where where um, leadership isn't forced on us. Uh, we get to decide our leadership, and uh, and part of uh, that decision is oftentimes um, feeling awesome about the outcome, and so part of that decision is feeling uh, disappointed, uh, and in some cases even outraged about the outcome. And, um, and so wherever you land in that spectrum, uh, you know, what I want to remind you of this morning is that, uh, you know, no matter who is present, God is still God. And so, um, and, and so here's where I, here's where I don't want to go with that. I'm not going to preach about the election cycle or anything like that. I think we're all tired of listening about, about it. So, um, but this is what I, so I got advice for everyone this morning, uh, whether you are overly excited or overly outraged or somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, with me or, you know, whatever, this is what I'd, I'd like for you to, uh, to do. This is my prescription for you. Let's all just church and chill. All right. Church and chill. Let's just do that. Then this is what I mean by that is that let's not lose perspective on, you know, if you're here and you're a Christ follower, um, uh, we know what our perspective is. And our perspective is not, unless, unless God has called you specifically to it, our perspective is not so much to sit and fret and worry about national and international issues. You know what you're to worry about? You're to worry about your family, your walk with God, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your your circle of influence where you are about the business and you are on mission and called to be kingdom change agents in this world. All right. That's what we're all about. That's what, so let God, by the way, God appoints every leader, whether you like it or not. That's what scripture tells us. And sometimes he actually appoints them for our blessing. And sometimes he points them because we need to be kicked around a little bit. But whatever, God is in control and he appoints all of our leaders. So let's leave that to God. We'll do our part and we'll exercise our vote and we'll do all that. And this is what I want to encourage you to do. No matter how you voted, you need to realize that it is in all of our best interest that President Trump turns out to be a great president. No matter how you voted. So you can sit and wait for him to screw up and pounce on it or you can get on your knees and pray for him. So let's pray for him. Let's pray for him. In fact, let's stop and pray for him right now. Father God, thank you so much for the blessing of um, America and that for whatever, um, I was going to say random, but you're in control, so it's not random. But for whatever reason, you saw fit that we should get to experience the, the American experience. And so we thank you for that. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for that. And we lift up our president to you as we've lift up. 
uh, every president before him. We lift him up and we ask you to, to bless him, to guide him, that you would surround him with wise voices, that the sound of the Holy Spirit would ring so loud in his ears that he could not ignore you. Uh, God, that he would feel the weight of his position and it would transform him as I'm sure it has transformed every president before him. And, uh, and so we ask your blessing on him and his administration. We ask um, that whatever your plans are through this presidency, that you would be glorified in it all. And so we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So here we are. We're diving back into Revelation uh, this morning with our Hope Rising series. And we're, we're hitting a really great passage this morning. It's one of the more iconic passages of Revelation. And uh, it's, it's, an, it's kind of an exciting one. And so uh, we're looking at Jesus as he kind of finally shows up in all of his Jesus glory as this conquering king. All right. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's riding a white horse. He's bloody and tattooed. He is just, he's awesome. It's an awesome image of Jesus. We're going to read about it in a second. You're like, Jesus had a tattoo. We'll get there in a second. So, uh, so yeah, it's, 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 it's just a great, beautiful, triumphant, once again, symbolic as everything else has been kind of symbolic, big, beautiful language picture of Jesus being that returning, conquering King. And, uh, it's just, it's really great. So here's the thing about you know, we were talking about the presidency just a second. No matter who the president is, no matter who, what your, you know, who our mayor is, who your city councilmen are, no matter what leaders make it to whatever position, this is what you need to know. And you will put this first point on the screen, that your big, big brother is the world's conquering king. Your big brother is the world's conquering king. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a relative in a sweet position that helped you out before, that's an awesome feeling to have when you know you got to go to a bailout, a per, you know, some something, some sort of you know person in your life, a close friend that will uh, that you know has some influence, has some position that you can go to to kind of you know uh, grease the wheels of, of progress or whatever. That that that's a good feeling to have, and you need to know that Christ, uh, you know, he is he is God's son, and we are God's children. Our big brother, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he is the conquering King. No matter how great and optimistic our, uh, you know, the world situation ever looks, no matter how grim and uh, desperate the world situation ever looks, he is the conquering king. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a freeing thing to know the outcome of a situation. When you know the outcome of a situation... We don't have to stress as much. And, and this is what so many of you have been stressed for the last two years about this, you know, this upcoming election. I mean, the, the fee, in fact, I was talking to Phil and I spent some time together at a conference and I was talking to him uh, about how um, this election in particular has been so weird in terms of um, the response to the outcome is almost on par with a Pearl Harbor, a 9-11, uh, I mean, and, and, you know, right or wrong, uh, inflated or not, it's this response of, of, um, of hopelessness and desperation and, and, and just, a, you know, a kind of a visceral punch in the gut type of thing that people are feeling. And it's just an odd reaction to, I don't think we've ever, I don't, at least in our lifetimes, I don't think we've seen, um, you know, this kind of reaction to this sort of thing. And I think the reason, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if that has been your reaction, if not, you know, 
just sit back and listen. Um, if that has been your reaction, I think the reason has been because you've forgotten that we know the outcome. You get, it's so easy for us to get so caught up in the here and now and lose the sight of the big picture of what God's doing in this world. And we know the outcome. We know the outcome. It, it's an interesting, uh, I, I, I used this as an example a few weeks ago. That Jamie and I recently saw the movie Sully where Captain Solberger, you know, lands the plane on the Hudson and that sort of whole thing. And, uh, and ooh, tense, like, ah, bottled up tense. Like it was a, such a, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Just an intense movie to watch. And I still knew the outcome. And so it wasn't over the top, like, oh, what's going to happen? I knew the outcome. I knew it was all going to work out just fine. And so I wasn't like completely overwhelmed and necessarily on the edge of my seat, even though I felt a lot of stuff going on inside. We know the outcomes too of our world situation that Jesus is, is now and will be the conquering king. The conquering king. Now, why is that important to us right here and right now? We're going to get into scripture in just a second, but I'm going to, I'm going to delay, delay that for a second. Um, why is that important to us right now that we serve a conquering king? Um, because we need victory. We need to feel victorious. We need someone to win for us when we can't win. And oftentimes we can't win. And I'm not talking on a political level. I'm talking about with our lives. Okay, so let's, let's forget politics for a while. Can we take a political break for, for a moment? Let's forget politics and let's get down to back, back to what really matters, which is your heart. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different this morning. I, I, I've got a thousand highlights that I can share with you about my life where God has just been, you know, you know, those moments when you can point and say, wow, God is good and he is blessing and, 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 you know, you just, you're just praising him and just everything's going wonderful. I mean, big victory stories in my life, highlights. Highlights. My life is full of blessing. In fact, it's embarrassingly full of blessing. All right? And so I could share a story of, of all that God has done for me and all the goodness and all the victories and all the highlights of my life. I want, I want, to, I want to do the opposite, though. I want, I want you to hear your pastor's lowlights. Okay? So for some of you, this is going to be difficult because you like to elevate your pastor, and you picked the wrong church. <laughs> you picked the wrong church. Because uh, if you're elevating me, you're elevating the wrong person. Uh, we have a king to elevate. All right? So let me share with you why I need a victory, why I, why I need a victorious king. So if you think all the way back to, I don't know if you're like me, but there's a moment when my, in my life when my brain woke up, my earliest memory, when my life seemed to turn on. I don't know if you have that moment, but for me, I do. It's a very, there's a very clear moment where... I, I, where my existence started. Now, let me, let me fill in the gaps before my, my mental existence started and, and say that. And so before I say this too, my mom and dad sometimes listen uh, to my podcast and I'm going to share some things that, that might be hard for them to hear. And so mom and dad, if you're listening to this, uh, no, I love you and no ill will and everything else. It's all good. Uh, it's just part of my story and my kids will someday share their story and it will involve me and, and, uh, that will be nice and fun for me. So here's the thing. When, um, when my mom and well, let me start with my mom. When my mom, um, was a young girl, she was, um, she was abused uh, by her mother her parents divorced and she grew up with her aunt and uncle. 
and, uh, and carried the baggage of that abuse and that feeling of distance from her, um, her you know, nuclear family um, with her all her life and, and in some ways still carries some of that with her today. Um, and so going into her, her marriage with my dad, they were young and, and everything, and um, my mom began to repeat some of the patterns that, were, that took place in her life. And so I was abused as a, as a young, young lad. And um, my, when my mind woke up, my mom and dad were arguing, and my dad left. That's my earliest memory. And... Um, Shortly thereafter, I, I know information that I didn't understand then now, but shortly thereafter, um, my mom sought help, um, and she's, she, she was a wonderful mother, by the way, an amazing, amazing mother. But she sought help, and while she was seeking help, and while my mom and dad were separated, um, me and my brother went into foster care. And I can remember my brother being dropped off at one house, and me being taken to another house. I remember my brother being dropped off at a house that was a nice, big, beautiful brick home with a really nice young couple and just seemed very caring and loving. And then they took me to a house that literally sat on a dump. And, um, and the first thing that my, the people that I was entrusted with did was they gathered up all my toys and threw them in the dump. Yeah, that's nice. So I don't remember how long that lasted. It was probably, uh, in my head, it was a few months. It was probably a few weeks. I'm not sure. But my mom and dad reconciled and had, a, had and still have a beautiful, happy marriage. Um, God is, and God has glorified himself through all of those situations, both in, both in their lives and in mine. And in mine. But I can remember very much feeling uh, that I needed a victory in that moment. Feeling so lonely, feeling so alone, feeling so um, kind of abandoned. That's a very early, I mean, I don't know, three years old, something like that. That's a very early memory for me. Um, but I, need, I, needed, I needed a victor. I needed, I needed a savior. I remember kind of growing older and getting into school, and I don't know if you've ever grown up as a redhead, but redheads get bullied in school. <laughs> and so I remember getting bullied and just kind of picked on and stuff like that and just feeling that... Uh, that sense of, oh, you know, I need a win. <laughs> I need a win. And, uh, and, and if you've ever been bullied, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And it wasn't, you know, horrible or desperate or anything, but, you know, just kids get bullied and the way they feel when, they, when that happens. And fast forward a few more years, I'm, I don't know, say sixth grade, somewhere around that, that time period, my family had befriended a, um, a Methodist pastor in town. My dad was a pastor. <coughs> He made friends with a Methodist pastor in town, and, and uh, this guy began to come around our house, older gentleman, quite older, quite a bit older. And um, uh, me and my brother began to spend time with him. Long story short, this pastor ended up molesting me. Um, my mom was able to figure out what was going on and get the, you know, the law involved, and um, this man was kind of run out of town. We went... I can remember going to the county courthouse to talk to lawyers about what could be done about this situation, what kind of prosecution could happen with my parents. And sitting across the table from the, you know, this county legal person, as I, as we were, as, as I was told my story, and then was told, um, 
he's too old. There's nothing we can really do about it. And, uh, and just feeling like, um, you know, where's the justice in all of that? Where's the justice in all of that? I could really use some justice. I could really use a win. I could really use a win. Um, I remember, you know, my, my dad being a pastor, moving around to different churches. You know, he would stay in a church about four years, and then we would move on to a different church. And, uh, and just that feeling when you're a kid of going into a new place and being completely friendless. Completely friendless. And if you've ever moved to a new, t- new place, a lot of times that feeling last, can last for about a year before you start building good friendships. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, and just feeling so kind of isolated in this sea of you know, what looked like great friendships happening and feeling like I could use a win. That would be, that would be great right now. I remember, you know, my dad pastoring in churches that um, either couldn't afford to or just chose not to uh, pay him a livable wage. And, and, uh, and so we grew up very poor, very poor. There were, there were instances where there was no food in the house and we're literally praying for the next meal and God would bless and suddenly a, you know, a, a bag of groceries would show up on our, our doorstep. But I, I just, you know, I learned not to ask my parents for things because I knew most likely the answer was going to be no. And, um, and looking at everybody else around me as kids and teens tend to do and just think, eh, life is so unfair. Why can't I have what they have or, you know, whatever. I could really use a win, you know. When's it my turn? That sort of thing. I remember um, as I got into some of my, my older teen years, just kind of being, um, I grew up Christian. I grew up, you know, in a good, beautiful Christian family. But I, this feeling just began to set in of, I, I just want to try something different. And I began to wander from God. Like, okay, that's my parents' path. And yeah, I, but I kind of want to set my own path. And I want to try my my own things. And I just... I just wanted something different. God didn't seem to be working for me. And so I was looking for a win in other places. I was looking for a win in other places. I remember getting into college and, and, you know, kind of getting my life back right with God. And I went to a Christian college and uh, felt a call on my life to into ministry and that sort of thing. But as a young man, as a young 19, 20 year old man, still having, as a lot of young men do, a lot of foolishness wrapped up in them and, and, uh, making a, a bad, very foolish choice and being arrested for that choice. I remember sitting in a little jail cell waiting for my brother to come bail me out because he thought I was pulling a prank on him and it took him a long time to get there. <laughs> I remember sitting there just waiting and, and just kind of the voice of the enemy in my head saying, you're nothing, you'll never amount to anything, uh, give up, go home. And then, and then I kind of... God's voice through my thoughts saying, no, I've got this. It's just the wake-up call that you needed. But again, very desperate, like I needed a Savior. And that, I think that was one of the first times I truly realized my need for a Savior, actually. Um, fast forward into... Um, it, well, actually, around that same time frame, actually, I'm in a relationship, a dating relationship with my wife, Jamie, and it's awesome. I love her, and everything's great, but I'm making the 
again, foolish decision to make my entire life about her and wanting her to make her entire life about me. It was a very, it ended up with a, ending kind of in a very unhealthy actually relationship because of that dynamic. Um, and, I, and because of that, the relationship disintegrated and we broke up. We were broken up for two years before we got back together. And I remember the loneliness that set in and being apart from her and just the crushed feeling during that period of time that I had, um, and just, again, you're, you're, you're constantly thinking of what you wish you had and it's not getting there and you, you think, I could really use a win right now. I'd really use you know, a person in my life that, that loved me the way I wanted. And, and you know, what I eventually realized was I was making Jamie my God and, and she, couldn't, she was crushed under the weight of that expectation. Fast forward a couple more years. I'm in the army now. Um, a breakup with Jamie drove me to the military. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm in the army. And, uh, and so, you know, I just, I go through a, a period of time of just kind of sowing my wild oats and, and, um, you know, a lot of more, a lot more foolish decisions that led to a lot of foolish choices with women I barely knew, which resulted in a lot of just shame on my part. When you when you've lived so close to the to the light, it's hard to walk away from it. Um, fast forward a few more years. Now I'm 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 full on in ministry mode and I'm serving in different churches. But I find myself serving in a lot of churches that are either at best unhealthy and at worst just outright sinful. And feeling there's got to be a better way. Surely there's a way that church can be great, but I'm not seeing it and I'm feeling desperate and I just want to give up on the whole thing. Fast forward a couple more years and I'm, I'm in a, you know, I'm a few years into a marriage with Jamie and, uh, and find myself wishing that I wasn't. Wishing that there was a way out and just feeling hopeless in, in my marriage. Um, fast forward to my Dixon years and I find out uh, kind of a, a health diagnosis that, uh, that's chronic, that just oftentimes just beats me down and makes me feel hopeless. And don't hit me up with advice after church. I don't want to hear your home remedies and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but but just, just, you know, it's just, it, it feels like if I'm going to take care of myself, it's a whole other full-time job. And I don't know if I can maintain that. And it's, oftentimes it just has me be down, right? A couple more years later, you know, a couple years ago, I go through about a year-long depression that nearly destroyed me. I mean, just nearly destroyed me. It was rough on my family. Um, and, uh, and again, just this feeling of, will I ever get out of it? Um, and just despairing my own life. Now, I, 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 I share all that because my guess is at one or two points in my story, you find yourself in your story too. And if you were to share your story, I would probably find a little bit of myself in your story too. We don't need a victorious king because of how horrible the world is, although that's a reason. I need a victorious king 
because there are times in my life and more times than I'm willing to admit probably that I just need a victorious king. I can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't do that. I've tried to do it on my own and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I need victory in my life because, because Christ can get victories for me that I can't get for myself. So let me read this description of this victorious king showing up because it's awesome. Revelation 19, verse 11 through verse uh, 21. We'll take a break in the middle there somewhere. But it, says, it starts off, it says this. <clears throat> then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. In other words, he has these piercing eyes that can see everything that you wish you could hide. Everything that you wish you could hide. He can see right through it and get to the heart of it. You ever read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels where somebody comes to him with one question and Jesus, instead of answering their question, goes for a different question that gets at the heart of what's really going on in that person's life? He's got this insight, this very piercing insight into our lives. And he has a way of doing that that makes us all, makes us all uncomfortable. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems or crowns, and he has a, a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. That Jesus, when, when, when John, you know, this is John writing in Revelation, but in the beginning of his gospel, in John's gospel, he, the, his first words are, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with, word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah, anyway, you know what I'm saying. The reason John refers to God as the Word, is be, or as Jesus as the Word, because Jesus is the complete expression of who God is. He's the, 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 the most beautiful, most complete expression of who God is. As, as we are often defined by our words, the same can be true about the relationship of, between Jesus and the Father. He's the, he is the most beautiful expression of the Father. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. I think those armies of heaven are actually all of us. I think it's, it's, it's that. I think it's, it's, it's the heavenly thing. But I think, we're, it's, I think it's all of God's. Everything, everybody that's on God's side. And the good news is, not only do we have a victorious king, but we all get a pony. <laughs> we all get a pony. You get a pony, and you get a pony, and you get a pony. We're all getting ponies. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The idea of the sharp sword is that, is that the, the nations will be condemned by the, the words of Jesus himself. There will be no way to escape it. There will be no way to argue with that he is the definition, the standard of what truth is. We've talked over and over throughout this book that the reason evil keeps getting worse and worse and worse, as, as Revelation tells us, is that there's this ripening that's happening. That God says, God says, I'm going to let it completely ripen. I'm going to let evil grow and grow and grow until it's completely ripe so that when my judgment comes, no one will be able to stand and argue and say, but not me. 
Not me. I'm not that way. No, everyone will know. Everyone will know where they stand. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he'll tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's his tat right across his thigh. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Again, it's just this beautiful image of, you know, what, what we tend to, you know, oftentimes when I think of Jesus, I think of some of the pictures that hung in my grandma uh, Meyer's house uh, that, you know, I remember there was, there's this one picture, maybe you see it before, it's an old painting of Jesus and it seems like he's crossing over some sort of bridge and there's kids with him and it's just this kind of, it's, it's like, I don't know, it's this, you know, it's like this Mr. Rogers figure in a robe type thing, you know, and, and, and uh, or, or you've got the Vidal Sassoon Jesus and, you know, uh, or whatever. But we, we have these very kind of gentle and honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes kind of effeminate views of Jesus that, that artists have portrayed over the years because they want to portray him as some, you know, somehow peaceful and gentle. And, and, and that's all good. That's all well and good. But here we have this very, very, nobody, no grandma has this picture of Jesus hanging in their, in, in their living room, right? Nobody's got the bloody robe, Jesus, tattooed, thighed, you know, you know, sword coming out of his mouth, Jesus, fiery eyes. Yeah, nobody's got that painting in their living room. And yet, both are true. Both are true. There's this idea, in fact, I think... When we look at the return of Christ, and which is often, you know, where, where so many of us are looking for, we're looking for the, when is Jesus going to come? How is he going to return? What, what's the name? He's, he's coming to ret- You know, I've heard people say he's coming back and he's coming back angry, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and so just this whole idea of, of when he returns and what that looks like. I don't think there's any difference between this picture of Jesus and the picture of Jesus we read in the Gospels. In fact, I think that's kind of the point of all of this. Not that we shouldn't be looking for a return because he will return. But I think the point of, is, is that as everyone misunderstood what Jesus' purpose was and what he was trying to do and what his whole mission on earth was and who he was actually, I think they, they missed out on the fact that he is all these things. He, you know, When they were looking for this victorious political figure that would make Israel great again, and in all in all, that it turns out that's exactly what he was doing. They just didn't like the way he was doing it. He was just as victorious on the cross and through his resurrection and through his ministry and his teaching and over evil forces and, and, and up against evil people and, and, and everything that he did, the miraculous works and the miraculous, he's just as strong, just as victorious in his meekness. Just as strong, just as victorious as he is in this picture that we look at here. That we serve now a victorious king. And we anxiously await the return of our victorious king. It's beautiful. Like I need that in my life. Like if, if your guy or gal didn't win this election, there's a day coming when... All of us will say our guy won. <laughs> In fact, that day is actually right now. He has won. He has won. And it matters that we're on his side, which we're going to read in the next few verses. And it says this. 
Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And with a loud voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. And he said this, this, come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. That's grim. And I saw the beast that we've talked about before and the kings of the earth with their with their armies gathering <clears throat> to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and, and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in, in its presence had done uh, the signs by which he had deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. Those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that comes from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with flesh. So as has been the case, as we've read through Revelation, this very big, very um, uh, uh, colorful, uh, symbolic language that, that happens. It's funny how a lot of people will read everything in the Revelation up to this point as very symbolic. And when they get to this point, now suddenly it becomes very literal. And, and so I don't think we're actually going to see a day where there's an angel standing on the sun and all the birds swoop down and eat everybody. Uh, that's, not, that's not what's going to happen. I think it's just this idea of everybody that has stood against God, that has opposed him, there's a reckoning coming. There's a reckoning coming. There's a day when all things will be set right. All accounts will set, be settled. If you have cried out for justice up until that point, you, justice will finally be seen. Justice will finally be seen. And what I want you to remember from this passage, what I really want you to take home is not so much, wow, that all the grimness and what that sounds brutal is this point. It matters whose side that you're on. Allegiance matters. Allegiance matters. We talk often about pledging our allegiance to the flag, you know, things like that. If you're a good, proud, patriotic American, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing conjures up a lot of good patriotic feelings, or maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But, but, but what we know about the way all this whole, you know, the history of the world shakes out is that allegiance matters. Who you have placed your allegiance in, who you have placed your trust in, who you have made your Lord and your Savior in the end, it actually does matter. It turns out, I mean, if we're, if we're you know, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe that God's, that the Bible is, is God's word to us, and you, you, you pattern your life around the words that you find in this, in this book and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you know, you're walking in the Spirit. If, if, that's, if that's you, then you can't afford to say all paths lead to God because it turns out that they don't. It turns out that they don't. Now, that, that's extremely narrow-minded of me, I'm, but I'm just, I'm just a guy who believes the Bible. So your issue's not with me, it's with God. It just turns out not all paths do lead to God. Allegiance matters. It really does. It'd be nice if all paths led to God. I could think of some really awesome paths. But I'm not in control, and so... God has set a path through his son, Jesus Christ, and that's the one we have to be on. And you can focus on how um, unloving, uncaring, how vengeful, whatever God is by, by, by doing it that way. 
by saying there's one path to him. Or you can do what I do, and you can say, how beautiful, how loving, how merciful that God made a path for us to him. Do you guys realize that for centuries and centuries before Christianity, there was literally no other world religion where the gods cared enough about humanity to even make a path to them. Humanity was where they were just ants to squish in all the other religions. And here we have the, the one and only true God, the creator of the universe, who says, I love this creation so much that I'll make a way to pay for their sin. I'll make a way to pay for their sin. Has anybody ever, has anybody ever tried to help somebody? I can think of a time when, when uh, somebody had called the church and, uh, and they, needed, they needed some help. They were transient, kind of working their way down the highway, but they were out of money. They needed some gas and they needed some food. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out with that. And so, so I went and filled up this guy's tank. Uh, pretty nice guy. We, had, we were having a good conversation. And um, then I went to, I was like, let me get you some food. And so I, I went to um, get him a gift card at, I don't know, one of the um, fast food places so that he could use it down the road too, right, you know? And, uh, and he immediately, the conversation immediately shifted and, and he was like, no, 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 I, I can't, I can't eat that. I need some, I need, he, he wanted like cattlemen's, right? I was like, well, I don't even get cattlemen's, <laughs> you know? So, so, anyway, but I was like, well, this is what I can do. I can't, I can't afford to, you know, help you with cattlemen's, but I can, I can get you a meal here and another one or two down the road if we do, if we do it this way. And it's kind of the same way when we look at God who is so merciful, so loving, so giving to provide the help, the rescue, the victory, the wins that we need in our life. And for us to kind of look at him and go, uh, well, well, thanks for that, but I actually need the victory to work this way. Thanks for Jesus, but if I could still do everything that I want to do and end up with you, that works better for me. Now, that sounds insane to us, but but I, I, what, what, the way we practically live our lives oftentimes is that's exactly what we communicate to God. Look at how beautiful, how loving, how merciful, how just, how um, just spectacular his love for us is that he would send his son to pay the price for our sins, his perfect son, that he would provide a path from sinful people like us to be in relationship with holy, perfect God. That he would orchestrate a plan that we read all throughout Scripture where he is taking this broken, fallen, sinful world and in the, pa- and in the process of restoring it and making all things new and making it whole again. That's awesome. Allegiance matter. Get with him. Get with him. If, let me just tell you, if you're on the fence this morning, you're trying to figure out, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if faith is for me. I don't know if the Christian faith is for me, uh, whatever. I like, I'm coming here for a few weeks. I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing. The people seem nice. It looks like a good group to be a part of. You guys are doing good things in the community. The music's not bad. The preaching's not bad. My kids like kids' church, whatever. There, there's a decent donut on the table. I mean, you're, you're kind of coming and you're, you're like, okay, I could, I could get used to this place. But you're on the fence about actually if you want to let this faith get into your life. What the Bible tells us is that Jesus is coming. 
And the Bible even uses the word soon. Now, evidently God defines soon different than we define soon. (laughs) Right? But the idea is that his coming is imminent. God's got a timeline. We're, We're out of the loop on that timeline. Even Jesus said he's out of the loop on that timeline. But it's happening, and it could happen at any moment. And when it happens, it matters who you've placed your faith in. It matters. So I want to, I just want to challenge you. If, if you're that, if you're that person, feel the weight of that. I, I'm not, I don't want to pressure you into some sort of decision, you know, today. Uh, that's not, but feel the weight of that. Begin to go to God in prayer, even a doubtful prayer. God, I don't even know. I don't know, know if you're there, but if you are, reveal yourself to me. Begin to, begin to create a line of communication with him. Begin to get into his word. Begin to get in with his people and, and, and discover more about what this is all about. Because there is no more important decision in your life than where your allegiance lies when it comes to your faith. There's no more important decision in your life. And so treat it with the importance that it deserves. Actually weigh it. You've pushed it off long enough. You've pushed it off long enough. It's time to weigh the decision and make a choice. Make a choice. And I can only share my experience and tell you that I've made my choice and I've never regretted it. I've never regretted it. As a young man, I tried to, to get out of it. But when I finally settled things and, and once and for all and said, no, I'm not running anymore, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior from now until the day I die and beyond. When I finally settled that in my head, I've never regretted that decision. That God has been good to me. Even in some of the dark periods of, of, of my life that I went through with you earlier, God was still good to me. I can still look back, I can look back on everything, even some of the jacked up stuff that happened to me when I was young. I can look back on all of that and seeing how because I've lived this life submitted to God, God has taken the worst moments of my life and he has spun them around into actual victories for me. I'm a stronger person. I'm able to help other people become stronger people because of what I've been through. You know, he has worked them into victory for me. And we serve this victorious king right here right now. And if you're feeling in any way, let's put the election aside, just in the, in the details of your life. I know, I know, I know, I know that there are some of you in this room that are feeling some level of desperateness in some part of your life, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in an abuse that happened to you, whether it's in, um, uh, you know, some financial troubles, whether it's in uh, family problems, whether it's somebody that has wronged you and you're having trouble forgiving them, what, what, any number of different things that could possibly happen, whether it's just your own foolishness that keeps getting you into the same uh, jams over and over and over. And you need a king. And not just any old king. You need the one that's going to win at the end of the day. You need the right king. Because if there is a victorious king, by default, there will be thousands of defeated ones. And it matters where your allegiance lies. Amen? Let's pray.
Father God, we love you. And we thank you so much that you are victorious. I know that there are people in this room who don't feel like they're walking in anything close to victory. There are people in this room that are feeling beat up and forgotten, desperate, numb. And they, as as much as the rest of us, need a victorious king in their life. Thank you so much for winning the victory for us that we could not win for ourselves. Thank you so much for loving us so much that you that you want us in relationship with you, that you made a way for that to happen. Thank you. Thank you that you're using us to bring your kingdom to this to this earth and to make all things right again. Thank you. So I I will speak for myself. I can't speak for anybody else, but I'll speak for myself and just say, I pledge my allegiance to you. I'm with you. And um, I trust you. No matter how desperate things get, I trust you. And I'll do my very best to give you glory and praise for all the blessings and all the good things that you bring my way. And I'll do my very best to bring you glory and praise in the darkest moments of my life too. And in faith, believe that you'll take those dark moments and turn them into my victories. Thank you. I love you.